This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is David Law, and welcome to The Tennis Podcast. Week one went okay, didn't it? Well, predictions aside, after our first episode, the tennis podcast broke into the top 20 sports podcasts on iTunes, although that might have been more to do with Carlos Moyer than me. This week, Catherine Whitaker talks to the 2004 French Open champion Gaston Gaudio, and we'll look at some of the sport's biggest upsets. Well, here we are, halfway through the French Open. And before we get to our interview with Gaston Gaudio, the 2004 French Open champion, I think I'd better get this out of the way. A week ago, I said the following. I think that Serena Williams is going to go all the way, personally. Wow. I think she's going to go all the way to the final. I'm going for Azarenka against Serena Williams in the final, with Serena Williams doing the same to her, which she did a few weeks ago, and winning the title. What a story that would be. Serena Williams, French Open champion, out of nowhere. Well, that worked out well, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to enjoy this. Yes, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not feeling that great at the moment about uh, about tennis. In fact, you know this this new tennis podcast that we've just started. I think I'm just going to shelve the whole thing. That's it. Now I've had enough. I mean, no, 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 no you know, because fifty percent of the participants are, uh, are still going strong. What? That's that's going to be your tone, is it? Arrogance, gloating in episode two. We've already got onto that. Nice. Well, I'm very wary that pride uh, pride comes before a fall. However, Sharapova's lost two games in two matches. It, it's, it's not bad, is it? It's not looking not looking bad at this stage. And in fact, she won six one six one today. It's uh, Friday that we're recording the podcast, and Maria Sharapova's already flying through the draw. The woman's not going to drop a gay a set the way she's going. No, she heard the podcast last week and she thought, I've got to do this for Catherine. That's what that's, oh, that's, that's right, what's motivating it? her, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks, Serena. Really appreciate that. <laughs> you, you know, you, you spend 13, 14 years on the tennis tour and the first time in your entire life you lose first round in a Grand Slam, it's when I predict her to win the title on the opening inaugural tennis podcast. Great. I did enjoy watching that match, I have to say. Yeah, I know you did. Yeah, including the 24-minute game. I mean, have you ever seen a game like that? Utter, yeah, it was, it was amazing, wasn't it? It was um, sort of drama that uh, you you only can really get on uh, on the big arenas at the Grand Slams in in tennis. It was it was very special. 
No, it really was. and It, it certainly was. But Serena Williams out. Wonderful win for Virginie Rosano, who had uh, such uh, such tragedy in her life a year ago uh, when she lost her fiancé to a brain tumour. And, and a wonderful win for her a year on. And, and it was great to see the crowds really reacting to her the way they did. But uh, my fortunes are going to change from today. Because, OK, Serena Williams let me down. But I said that Rafael Nadal would win the title. And I really went out on a limb with that one, didn't I? Yeah, you and, did. In fact... I would suggest that he, here, here I am going to go out on a limb. I think Nadal is not going to lose a set in the entire championship. Interesting. So you think if he does meet Murray in the semis, that's going to be uh, straight sets? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, I'll be cheering Andy Murray along all the way. But I think, you know, Nadal looks a different man this year to the man he did last year. and And obviously we don't know how... Andy Murray's going to be feeling, really, for the rest of the tournament. He looked in pretty dire straits yesterday against Jaco Niemann. I mean, for a set and a bit, he looked as though he wouldn't get through it. I think it was a really gutsy effort to, to come through that match at all. Yeah, but very impressive. Although I think, I think he's got a decent chance against Geraldo in the next round. But Richard Gasquet looks in decent form. He beat him a few weeks ago in Rome. He's going to be difficult. I mean, admittedly, I did say that Murray would win all of these matches, but that was before I knew he was going to be sort of stumbling around the court with a bad back. Yeah, um, but he was stumbling so, um, around the court with a bad ankle last year and he still made the semis. So. Well, that's right. You can, I can't r- r- rule this bloke out, can you? Let's be fair. That's 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 a valid point. But there we are. There's my prediction. Nadal not going to lose a set all tournament long. So don't forget, you can get in touch with us at Tennis Podcast on Twitter. Make some more fun of me about the Serena Williams tip. Yes, I know I got it wrong. And yes, I've heard plenty about that. Uh, let's see if I get the next one right. But Serena's loss d- did make me think Catherine you know has there has there ever been a bigger tennis shock at a Grand Slam tournament because that was an, a really monumental one wasn't it I mean the fact that she's never in her entire career lost at the first round stage of a Grand Slam yeah and, and that something. was a stat I wasn't actually aware of until obviously when it looked like there was a chance she was going out the commentators started bringing up that stat but I hadn't I wasn't actually aware of that that she'd never never lost in a Grand Slam even in the early days of her uh, never lost first round in a Grand Slam even in the early days of her career that well up up until Monday was an incredibly impressive record um what would you say is the the biggest shock that you've ever seen or the one that I mean I always judge it by how how it makes you feel when you're watching it if you if you just are on the edge of your seat barely able to sort of take a breath normally because you just you just can't believe it's happening that to me is what signifies the level of a of a real shock the ones that stick in my mind um well on the ladies side um when i initially came to think about it the one that uh first sprung out at me was hingis losing to uh Dockich in the first round of Wimbledon, uh, 99, 99, I think it was. Yes, I remember that. And, I, and it I remember I was actually working at the tournament that year. It was the first first year I'd ever worked at the tournament, and I was involved in the interview system, taking the players to their to their press conferences. And the the sense of shock around Wimbledon when she lost that, especially to to a, to a kid. I mean, it was yeah. it was really something. Sixteen year old qualifier, and and it was the manner of the defeat as well. It was love and two or two and love, something like that, and. Uh, I just don't think anybody could really, um, really believe their eyes. Well, that's how no. I remember feeling, anyway. No, I think that's that's true. I mean, given my uh, my extreme age, I can go back rather further than you can. In fact, probably I think about a year after you were born. I think one of the biggest shocks that I can remember was Boris Becker losing to Peter Doohan 
I think it was in the second round of Wimbledon. He'd won it in 85, he'd won it in 86, and then he ended up playing this Australian chap, Peter Doohan, and losing. And he came out with this immortal quote, I lost a tennis match, nobody died. And I think that really summed up the sort of level of of uh, interrogation he was subjected mm. to in the post-match press conference. You know, that it was it was just such a shock. It was on all of the sort of 10 o'clock news bulletins and, you know, nobody could believe their eyes. And also another one that springs to mind is Hewitt losing to Karlovic round one. Uh, yeah, when he was that's the, right. Defending when he champion, was well, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, that was a big one. Right. Again, straight sets, wasn't it? It was, it it was yeah. yeah, yeah, and a couple of others that that I've got here actually. Um, I think when Sampras lost to Mark Philippoussis, Mark Philippoussis at the Australian Open yeah. in nineteen ninety six, and and it was wasn't just the fact that he lost; it was the manner he, he lost in. I mean, Sampras was the dominant power player of the era, wasn't he? And and Philippoussis just came out and threw him around like a rag doll. I don't think we'd ever seen that before. I mean, I suppose Safin did it to Sampras well, as well. I was going to mention US that Open one if we're talking about... But when Philippoussis did it, there was the feeling that you're watching something otherworldly. Mm. There was something superhuman about, about Philippoussis that day, wasn't there? Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think anybody on the planet would have would have beaten him in in history that day. I mean, he was just hitting full-on winners. And in fact, Philippoussis is a player we'll be talking to on the tennis podcast in a few weeks' time, and he'll tell us all about how he felt that day when he went out onto the court against Sampras and, and really put you in, in his shoes that day. I mean, he, absolutely fascinating interview mm. that Catherine did with uh, with Mark Philippoussis a couple of weeks ago. I think about that, it. that was in, um, where was that? Was that in Sao Paulo in Brazil you spoke to him? Uh, Sao Paulo, yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Was well, yes, it was on the ATP Champions Tour on which um, Philippoussis is playing these days, and it, it's a, it's just a fascinating interview. We'll we'll bring that one to you in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, really worth listening to. Other ones, of course, Rafael Nadal losing to Robin Soderling. I mean, if you consider Nadal's going for his seventh title at Roland Garros, and that is the f- the only loss he's got in that those seven amazing, years. I it? mean, it's just unbelievable. And I remember when that was happening, I remember being in the car listening to um, to one of my colleagues commentate on BBC Radio 5 Live. I think it was Vassal Alexander in the chair. And the shock in his voice was just perfect for the occasion. Yeah, well, I, I was away. Uh, I think I was away visiting um, extended family that weekend and I was following the score online and i i just i thought they got it wrong oh, i bet your I family were loving that the weren't they? you go out you go out to visit your family and you end up watching the scores online yeah you can't argue with that can you <laughs> counts as work they know you don't they let's be honest uh i think the, I, I mentioned as well on um on twitter to uh, to our followers at tennis podcast that uh, we were going to talk about upsets and a couple of the other ones that they that they came up with and i think they're very good ones as well pete sampras losing to george bastel at oh, wimbledon out on court too yeah yeah and the poor Pete was reading letters of, of encouragement and inspiration from his white wife at the changeovers. Remember that? Mm, that uh, there was something really upsetting about that loss, wasn't there? Seeing seeing a great champion like uh, like Pete Sampras being um, being deposed of um, in that way on court two. However, you know, I, I think I think though the fact that he then came out and and won the U.S. Open a few months later. 
it made it all put the that more... to bed for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, 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 I think it would have been awful if that was the. I mean, that's the last Wimbledon memory we'll ever have of Sampras. Because if you remember, mm. he he tried to prepare for Wimbledon the next year. He decided he wanted to play it. He didn't retire immediately after winning that U.S. Open. He was going to play Wimbledon, and then he just said, you know, I, I just haven't got the fire left in me. And and I think that he, that ultimately he made the right decision there. He he went out at the very top, beating Andre Agassi in the final of the U.S. Open, and I'm quite glad that he didn't go out with that loss against Bastel. Yeah, I think if most most players could script their retirement, they wouldn't they wouldn't do it much differently to how uh, to how Sampras did it, would they? I think most guys would uh, would be pretty grateful to be able to go out on that sort of level. I was going to mention. Um, I, I don't think you can have a conversation about tennis upsets without mentioning. Goran Ivanovic, 2001. I mean, that was a whole tournament of upsets, wasn't it? Every single match he played was an upset. Um, and also, um, with the French, we've got an interview with Gaston Gaudio coming up. That final he played, um, Correa was heavy favourite and won the first set six love, remember? I mean, that is quite incredible that Gaudio came back to win that. Think the only man... that was man... the Henman year, wasn't it? That was the Henman yeah. year when Henman was, uh, was, was leading uh, against... Guillermo Correa in the semi-finals. Who would have thought that probably the closest Tim Henman ever came to a Grand Slam final was at the French? Amazing. That was the year when he reached semis at three of the four, wasn't it? And um, it's actually sort of in in the twilight of his career, two thousand and four. So um, yeah, that was that was special year for Tim. I think actually didn't he didn't he he re- I think he reached the, the semis of two of them, but not Wimbledon, didn't he? Two thousand and four. Certainly reached the semis of the, the semis US, of US, didn't he? Beaten by yeah, Federer. He didn't, he didn't get to Wimbledon semis that year, though. I don't think. I think he did them earlier in his career because by then they slowed the courts down a lot more. Yeah. He was, he was struggling a lot more. But I mean, the French Open so far this year. I mean, it, it, it's yielded some fantastic matches. We had that great epic with uh, John Isner a couple uh, yesterday. In fact, it was yeah, he wasn't likes he? To he take lost his in, time, in, isn't it? Doesn't he? Be it winning set. or losing. Um, no, that's right. And uh, and it's really setting itself up nicely now, isn't it? Because all the big players are still there. OK, we don't know how Andy Murray's feeling physically, really, but he's still there. Yeah, it's sort of perfect. You don't you don't want to lose. Uh, you don't want to lose all your top names, but you do want to have some close matches and and a few surprises along along the way. I think uh, I think week one is um, is shaping up nicely. Um, and I think week two is going to be um, well, hopefully could be a bit special. Just before we get on to, to Gaston Gaudio and our interview with him, Catherine, I think we both had the opportunity separately to go down to the Queen's Club this week, didn't we? Home of the Aegon Championships, which we will did. follow the French Open. And I don't know about you, but for me, what a joy it was to, to, oh. to, to go and have a look at that grass. You know, OK, I mean, I, I enjoy the clay court season, but to see that grass looking like a billiard table in the in the sunshine and the blue sky beating down and the, all the stands are going up and everything was getting ready. And it's just it's going to be great, isn't it? It's quite a sight, isn't it? And especially with the juxtaposition with the, the clay court season still going on and the grass court season um so so uh so so close already um i mean they couldn't they're the two most opposite surfaces um but that i think this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against the new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. That's what's something that's uh, quite special about the tennis calendar, the way it shapes up like that, that we're already thinking about Queen's. Um, and about grass yet yeah, you know we're still in the and Wimbledon in the to of... follow and of course the Olympics on grass as well this year so that'll be something yeah longest grass court season uh, for a long time since the days when yeah. the other slams were on grass of course yeah since when I was a lad goodness me we are going back a bit 50, right I think 40s. it's about time we uh, yeah so I think we're going back about 60 years aren't we uh, I think it's about time we had a listen to to Gaston Gaudio because Catherine caught up with the 2004 French Open champion a few weeks ago where was that one Catherine that one was in Medellin Colombia Oh, uh, yes, sort of... yes another ATP Champions Tour event wasn't it that he was playing his debut there what what did you think of him he is a really interesting character. He's well. I hope you'll hear from the interview that he's um, he's got some really interesting things to see. He's obviously uh, reflects a lot on on his career, and um, he's had plenty of ups and downs. And um, I think he struggled for a long time with feeling like he didn't deserve to win that French Open title. You know that he, in his own mind, I think he struggled with that. Obviously, you know there. Were, more cynical people around him saying that, but I think it's um, taken him a while to um, to really accept himself as as a Grand Slam champion, which which uh, which he is. 
No, he absolutely is. And what a beautiful back end that guy has got as well. I do, I do remember just a very quick anecdote of when I first met Gaston Gaudio, first came across him. I'd never even seen him on TV before. And I remember being in a in a, a locker room at, in the um, the tennis tournament in Rome during my ATP days. And uh, and I was just standing there waiting for another player to come to interview when uh, Paul Anacone uh, and Pete Sampras walked past. And this was this was in the days when Sampras was trying to, 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 to finally figure out a way to win the French Open you know the best he ever managed was the semi-finals and and he was looking for for players to practice with and they'd obviously booked a court and somebody had said you know this kid will do for you you know he's not he's not really on the tour yet he's just coming coming on the tour um he's been playing the challenger levels and in walked little Gaston Gaudio with his with his little white cap and his ponytail in a sort of bun poking out the back of it and he looked about 12 I have to be quite honest uh, and the, the the idea that this guy in a few years time would go on to win the French Open just seemed extraordinary when you would actually see him physically and Pete Sampras and didn't even know his name at that stage uh, and, and and off they went out onto the practice court and I think Pete came off that court and thought crikey I might be getting old because the he got the runaround from Gaston Gaudio who we spoke to very recently Catherine Whitaker joined him in Medellin in Colombia and uh, Gaston Gaudio had this to say well first you know as soon as you quit tennis it's pretty pretty fun you know you used to do all the things that you never done when you when you're like um during the tour so um, you have a lot of time to to go out have fun with your friends and with you being a lot of time with your family and and um, you used to play like soccer and all the things that you couldn't do when you were in the in in the tour so it was a little bit more chill and relaxed and, and I was kind of happy you know and but the thing is uh, after a couple of months when you when you start to <coughs> miss tennis and and you start to, you know, a lot of t- free time, you know, without doing anything, and you and you don't have any anything that is really exciting, like we used to when when you play tennis. So I was um, suffering a little bit, you know, like uh, you didn't have any routine, you didn't have anything to do, and, and and you know, there's a lot of time that you think too much without any any job, and mm-hmm. and and. I suffer quite a bit, you know. But then after a year and a half, and now it's almost two years that I don't play anymore, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling so happy that um, that now I have this opportunity to play the Champions Tour. So back again with the people that I used to play when I was on tour. And um, I don't know. I feel like um, it's quite um, quite quite good, you know, to to play tennis again and feel that exciting before getting to a court. And does it make you realize how much you've missed the game? Yeah, I missed it. I, I mean, I missed it in in one way, you know, being like having that kind of a, you know, having that routine and practicing all days and having something in in your mind, you know, thinking about something that that was a hundred percent, you know, dedicated to tennis. That's what I was missing. But not, you know, traveling and being in the hotels every week, you know, and and the bags and the checking the airports, all that kind of stuff. I don't miss it at all. So. Playing one 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 week up a month, you know, with this Champions Tour, and that is pretty fun. That really enjoyed and and getting getting back with the people, you know, with the friends that I don't see in, that I didn't see for a long time. Is I really love it. I'm going to take you back now to Roland Garros 2004. Something I'm sure you think about 
a lot before the final against your countryman Guillermo how were you feeling I mean what what was going through your head in the lead up to the match were you nervous scared yeah I was um, <clears throat> I was really nervous you know I was uh, it was my first final my Grand Slam final and of course I was um, yeah I was really really afraid of the of the situ- of the moment that I'm gonna you know play in a final in the French Open is one what was like a like my dream when I was a little kid so I was scared and and of course he was the favorite so um, but the thing that I played against an Argentinian guy was was even better for me because that is like um, it, it wasn't not only the, the, the what I was playing against Korea that it was an unbelievable player on clay there was something in between you know that like makes the the thing getting even you know and uh, that was uh, that was on my favor you know playing against a guy who is Argentinian that we been playing since we were we were little kids and there was a lot of derby between you know between the two of us so that's make the things and the match make it even so so that I take the opportunity of that and uh, and, and as I told you you know before the match I was of course really really scared and and I remember that I was in the locker room and and McEnroe was there so so just before the match like 15 minutes before getting in I asked him tell me how did you feel when when you were like playing the first Grand Slam final because I'm feeling so scared that I don't think that I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be able to get in there and and trying to play tennis you know like I used like I was playing during the week and he looked at me and he told me you know what you're scared to get into a to a tennis match and imagine the people that they went to the war in Vietnam <laughs> that 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 is kind of a that is that is the, the real thing to be scared about, you know. And yes, of course, I understand that. <laughs> I never thought about that extreme, you know, like thinking about getting into a war. But I was asking about the the, the, the situation of getting to the first final. But that was a good advice because uh, it makes me feel okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a tennis match. It's no more than that. And and uh, I actually I started a little bit nervous during the match, and then the people helped me out a lot, and I started to play a little bit better. So the first two sets flew by pretty quickly. What are you thinking after the first two sets? Are you thinking, oh, my God, all my worst fears are, are being realized? What's going through your mind? Yeah, I was thinking about, I was, like, I was struggling, you know. I was really thinking I was the worst French Open finalist ever. <laughs> and I was hoping to finish that match as soon as I can and leave the court because I was struggling. And he was playing pretty good. He was playing unbelievable, and um, and I couldn't do them that much. And and the thing that um, at the beginning he started to like six zero, six eleven in the first set, and and that makes 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 me feel really bad. And and then you know I get I start to think to myself, you know, this is maybe the last chance that you're gonna be in a final in the French, you know, in the French Open, and and you're gonna leave it like this, you know, that it's gonna pass pass by, and you don't even enjoy it. So. After a while, I start to lose a little bit, you know, relax a little bit, and the and the, and the crowd was unbelievable. With me, he, they start to make like the wave, and and I, that makes me makes me relax and try. And I think to myself, and I say to myself, you know, I I gotta I have to start to enjoy this moment because this is gonna be maybe the last, and it was. And and after that, I start to play a little bit better. He got he got nervous, you know, he got a little bit nervous, and I take advantage of that, and and then. And then, well, everybody knows what happened. Do you remember one specific turning point? Yeah, there was a uh, the one 
there was a I don't know two two set to left for him and then four three fifteen forty I guess it was a long point and I was running all over the court and and then the people start to make their way because I won that point that I was was a, an unbelievable point and and after that uh, I realized that maybe I, I got a I got a little little <laughs> little chance to to turn it back and. And then that I think that that was the the key point, and and I and I watched him, and he was like uh, doing, he was getting cramps or something like that, and and I realized that I got a my little opportunity to do it. Do you think it bothered him that the crowd were getting behind you so much? Do you think that got inside his head? In one point, maybe yes, but the the, the worst thing to f- for him, I guess, it was you know he was so pretty close to win and. And sometimes you get nervous, you know. It's it's not easy to win the first title and the first Grand Slam title, and and he was almost there. So he put so much pressure on him. I think uh, I think that 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 was uh, the worst uh, thing for him, you know, thinking that he he got almost he was almost winning the title, you know, and 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 he got really nervous. And and actually, I took advantage of that. Now the scenes after you won were pretty spectacular you high-fived half the stadium ah. it was all uh, an incredible scene in tennis talk me through your memories of that or perhaps it's all a bit of a blur I don't know the thing actually I was so happy that I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe that I was the one who wanted you know <laughs> so I was um, I was you know in a way I want to thank all the people there you know so I want to I want to clap the hands to everyone <laughs> I want to give a hug to every spectator there in the court so so that actually was spontaneous. I just, just feel it like that, and uh, and I want to appreciate all the support that they gave me during the the match, and they were part of my winning. So, so that's that's uh, actually uh, I felt it that way. Obviously, that moment was the the peak, the pinnacle of your career. After that, was motivation a problem for you, N- knowing that y- you'd tasted that and and that was now in the past? Did did you struggle to find the motivation? To, to continue the grind yeah. of, of tennis. Yeah, after that, in in two thousand and five, I felt like um, there was a kind of a rumor, you know, like a, not rumor, but I know that everybody was saying, okay, this he won the French and he's not gonna make it. Uh, he's not gonna be in the top ten again, and he's not gonna be, you know, like uh, the top player. So, and he was kind of lucky, you know, in the final because Korea was getting uh, injured or whatever. So it was like a kind of a motivation for me to keep in the top ten, and in the 2005 I played great tennis, and and I won five titles. So so it I mean it it makes me get a lot of motivation. All the things that they were talking about me, and and it was a great year. But then after 2005, there was two years in a row that I didn't stop at all, and and I was really tired, and um, I was mentally so so stressful and and after that actually I started to feel like okay I want to I want to chill I don't want to play anymore and I want to be more at home and I was traveling all around I didn't stop not even for two weeks you know and and that was a big mistake because um that was a really big mistake because in 2000 I played in 2005 I played too many tournaments and I was as I told you I was so tired and and then that 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 was the the big um, the big problem for me in 2006 and seven and all the years coming over you know um, I didn't feel like uh, playing again and you know fighting for the match that I used to I used to be a fighter and and then after that two, after two years playing in a row I was um, sick of tennis you know and and then 
all was uh, on the way down. So that's Gaston Gaudio. Doesn't he talk well? Next week, we'll hear from another French Open champion as the second Grand Slam event reaches its climax in Paris. It's the extraordinary story of the youngest ever winner of the French Open, Michael Chang. We'll also preview the grass court season, which starts at the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club in London. So until then, have a great week and thanks for listening to us here on The Tennis Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.